Well, good morning. I'll say it again. Good morning. Some of you are like, wait a minute, where's that voice coming from? Hey, it is a great way to begin a time of worship uh, in baptism. I just cannot, I cannot tell you. Um, it is, I, and, and let me just tell you, you should just get prepared. Y'all, this is going to be a pretty common experience for a little while. And isn't that a wonderful thing to know that God is moving in people's hearts? Amen. Yeah. So I am so pleased with what God is doing in, uh, in each, in our church and in these lives. So Lance, Maddie, come stand with me. Nice and warm. <laughs> oh, there you go. This is Lance and Maddie Thomas. And I had an opportunity to meet with Lance and Maddie just on Thursday. And I uh, got a chance to meet them last Sunday and talk with them about their faith and about just what God is doing in their lives. And just so pleased uh, with the way God has moved and God has, uh, has worked in them, has brought them to our church, and now has brought them to this step of baptism. And so, I, I, can I just say, that was on Thursday. On Friday, I got a text from them and said, what about Sunday? I said, let's go. So I can't, I just love that and love what God is doing in your lives and so thankful to be able to stand in the baptistry with the two of you. All right, guys, let's go. All right, Lance, I know you've given your life to Jesus a number of years ago, but I'm just going to ask once again, have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior? Yes. Lance, it's by your profession of faith in Christ that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism. Raised to walk in a brand new world. Awesome. Maddie, I know again you have given your life to Jesus a number of years ago, but today you take the step of baptism. So I'm just going to ask once again have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior? Yes. Maddie, it's by your profession of faith in Christ that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ in baptism. Y'all, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? What a wonderful day. We're going to have a great time of worship today. Let's have a wonderful celebration of what God is doing in our lives.
Lord this morning. Would you please be seated? Well, good morning. Welcome to church. So glad you're all with us this morning. Um, if you're watching online, welcome. We are glad that you're there. I know for some of you guys, it's your first time. We are so thankful you're, you're here with us this morning. And uh, it's going to be a really, really exciting day. Hey, got a couple things we'd, we'd ask first. If you can check into the service, that would be amazing. The instructions are behind me. If you're watching online, they're on the screen in front of you. Would love to know that you're here this morning. Whenever you do that, it gives you a chance to put prayer requests and to get like the most up-to-date announcements of what's going on in the church. So make sure you do that every week. But there's one big announcement happening tonight. Tonight, tonight we have a meeting at 5 o'clock here in this room where we're going to vote on Zach and Marley. You may not have met them yet. They'll be up here in just a little bit. And you'll get a chance to meet them. Zach and Marley are coming to become our discipleship pastor here at, or Zach's coming to be the discipleship pastor here at the church. And we're really excited about him uh, joining us with us and being a part of our team and ministering with all of you. So you'll get a chance to see him here in just a little bit. And then tonight at five in this room, we'll have a meeting where you'll get to meet him and, and, and vote on his, uh, him coming on staff. So it's a very exciting time in the church. For now, let's pray. Ask God to bless this time of worship as we do our best just to fall, fall at his feet and love him more. So if you will, bow your heads and let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for each, each individual in this room. God, we come in here with all sorts of baggage, all sorts of things that we're bringing into a room like this. And God, we ask that as we sing these songs and we hear about emptying ourselves for you, that we would be able to eternalize that and honor you with that with our lives. So this morning, as, as we continue to worship, God, we pray that your spirit would be here, that we'd feel it, and that this would be a fresh experience for all of us this morning. Thank you so much for Jesus, which is why we do everything. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, amen. As Pastor Brad just uh, prayed, we do have a lot of things going on in our lives that uh, sometimes it seems like are beyond, are beyond our control. And sometimes we just need to turn those things over to God and say, God, we trust you with whatever is happening in our lives. Let me invite you to stand with us as we sing this song of our faithfulness and our trust in God this morning.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for all you have done. We thank you for your amazing grace and mercy and blessings that you've poured out on us. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you that we can trust you with all that we have and all that we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated? time of, uh, of worship uh, we've had today. So thankful for uh, just you being here. You know, um, getting together and, uh, and having a time of worship is a, is a wonderful thing, but it's, it's a lot less if y'all don't show up. You know that, right? It's a lot less if you don't show up. So, so we're just always so glad that you are here and that we have the privilege of being able to join together in worship. That is what this is. It is us coming together and asking God just to speak to us as, as a body of people, as a group of people. And so I'm just so thankful. And I, I have the privilege, and it really is a privilege. I have a privilege of sitting on the front row. And on the front row, do you know what I hear behind me? I hear the voices of the church singing praises to God. And what a beautiful thing that is. So I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to be here. I'm thankful for what God is uh, doing in our lives, in, uh, in our church. I'm thankful for what God is going to share with us today as we open his word. Uh, we're just going to ask him to speak to us. Now, before we get to all of that, though, I do want to introduce you to a special guest that has been with us all weekend uh, that we are going to be presenting tonight uh, for our discipleship pastor position. I want to give you an opportunity to get to know Zach and Marley Burke. So, Zach, Marley, come stand and, uh, and just share a word of introduction. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much, um, and good morning. Thank you for letting us come and just sit and worship with you all this morning. And uh, we've been walking around visiting small groups and meeting people and shaking hands. And so, man, it's been so fun to hear just what God's been doing here at Stetson. Uh, man, so this is my beautiful wife, Marley. I'm Zach. We've been married for a little over seven years. Uh, and uh, we ha- I had to question myself. Is that right? Okay. Um, <laughs> we have three kids. Our oldest is five. His name's Braxton. And we have twin two-year-olds, uh, Micah and Judah. And, man, they are just fun-loving, life-loving, full of energy, all-boy kind of boys. Uh, and so, man, we can't wait for you to meet them and for them to meet you and just to be a part of the church family and, uh, you know, discipleship changed my life. One person was very intentional with me, and it, it changed everything about my life. And, you know, I think when you think about discipleship, there's two things that we see it rooted in. And the first uh, is from the book of Jude. And so Jude was the half-brother of Jesus, and he's writing this letter, but he identifies himself as a servant. And I think at its core, discipleship is this reminder that everybody that follows Jesus is called to be a servant of Jesus, and to take the gospel to the nations one person at a time. And so if we're going to disciple people, we have to remind them of that call to be a servant. Amen. And then you go to the Old Testament, you see in Joshua chapter 4, when the Israelites are walking into the promised land, crossing the Red Sea, that God tells them to go back to where they crossed and to stack 12 rocks. And they stack these 12 rocks, and God tells them, the reason you're going to do this is so that when your children come and ask you what happened here, 
you can share what I've done for you. And so essentially discipleship is helping people stack their rocks. It's helping and reminding them and coming alongside them that of what God has done for them, what God is doing and what God is going to do. And Marley and I are so excited to come on board and see what God is doing and is going to do here uh, at Stetson Baptist uh, together. Amen. Guys, yeah, that's awesome. So, so pleased. I think you can already see just in, in a little bit of an introduction the way that God has led our search team and led our church uh, to present Zach and Marley to you in, uh, in, in that position of uh, discipleship pastor. So pleased and so, so just looking forward to what God is going to do as we partner together in ministry. I just want us to have a word of prayer. And uh, so I just want to invite you to join us. Um, let's just pray together uh, for, for Zach and Marley, for their family, and for this process of transition. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for, uh, for Zach. Thank you for the divine way that you have led us along this path. God, I, I really have seen that. I've seen that in Zach's life. I've seen that in our church's life and in the uh, search team. And God, I've just seen the way that you have called us now to partner together. And what a joy that is. What a pleasure that is. And so, God, I, I just pray that as, as we come together this evening and we have a time of, of voting, a, a, a vote of affirmation, God, I just pray that you, would, uh, that you would be in the midst of that. And then, God, in the time of transition and so many different details that need to fall into place, selling a house, buying a house, making a move, getting settled, getting kids moved, and just all of those things, God, I just, I just pray that you would be in the midst of every step of that. And, God, that we we would be able to see your hand at work. God, I'm thankful for Zach and Marley and their kids and God, just the way that you're, you've blessed us by bringing them to us. And now God, I just pray that as we partner together for ministry, that we will be able to see and we'll look back on this day for years to come and we'll say that was a, that was a special day and God did, and God, you did a great work there. And so God, I just pray that we will see that and that we'll be able to celebrate uh, the work that you're doing in our lives, in our church, in our community. Let everything that we do be glorifying to you. We are grateful for this moment, and we pray, God, that you will just send us forward in what your plan is for our lives and for our church. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. All right. Yes. Hey, guys, we are just so excited about what God is doing uh, in the life of our church. And, uh, and yes, uh, if, uh, it, we, we're going to be having a, a time of business tonight uh, at 5 o'clock. Um, that's if you want to vote yes. If you want to vote no, it's 7 o'clock. Um, but, um, no, we, we are just so pleased with what God is doing and, uh, and look forward to, uh, to this, uh, this new venture and new position and to Zach and Marley uh, coming on our team. And uh, just, it's just going to be a wonderful thing. So, so grateful, so wonderful, and uh, just thank you for being a part of what God is doing in our midst. Hey, um, I'm going to invite you this morning to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, if you're using the Bible that's in the little rack in front of you, it's on page 309, so I'll give you kind of the cheat sheet there. Um, but I am so grateful for this new series that we're going to be jumping into. So um, we're going to be talking over the next several weeks about being empty. 
about, about recognizing what does empty mean. Now, um, I, I will say that, that uh, we are going to be talking today uh, from 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, next week, we're going to be, uh, we're going to have kind of a, a break. We're going to uh, share the Lord's Supper together. We're going to have a, a guest with us. And so we're going to take a break and then we'll jump right back into empty the next week. And so this idea of empty. Now, for those of you that are kind of looking forward, I will go ahead and tell you that the end of this empty series is going to happen on March the 31st when we get a chance to celebrate the greatest empty that has ever existed. And that is when the people walked uh, to the tomb and the tomb was what? It was empty. And then that a wonderful celebration to know that today Jesus lives and we can celebrate a risen Savior. So that's kind of where we're headed. But until then, I want us to look at this idea of being empty. You know, I, I don't know about you and your family, but in, in my house, we don't celebrate a lot of things that are empty. We celebrate things that are full we celebrate things that are, that are um, you know, things that, that can provide, things that uh, are, are working in our life. So, you know, I mean, we, so if, if we ever have like a, a, a milk jug, okay, let's just take that for an example. We have a milk jug and, and all the milk is gone. We don't take that jug and put it on the counter and be like, look at our beautiful empty milk jug. No, as soon as the last drop of milk is poured out of that jug, what do you do? It's out. It's, it's recycle bin or trash can or however you work in your life, you know? So um, it, it's, it's like we're, we're done with that. It's time for us to replace so that we, we need a full milk jug. I'll send a little text to all of our families. Hey, anybody go in the grocery store, make sure you get some milk, right? I'm not, I, I, the, the, the empty milk jug means nothing to me. What was in the milk jug means something to me. By the way, for those of you who don't know, I am an every night milk drinker. And if we have chocolate in the house, I am an every night chocolate milk drinker. So just a little bit, it just kind of settles my stomach. I just feel like it's the best thing for you. I'm, it's probably terrible for my health, but I don't care. So um, anyway, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of my life. So I, I, uh, I, I, empty is not something to be celebrated. Empty is something to be fixed right? Well, that's easy for us to say about a milk jug. But sometimes our lives kind of feel empty. And it might be because of a a position of, of grief. It might be because of something that we have lost. It might be because we're not feeling worth what we should be feeling worth. It might be because we are struggling in a certain circumstance of our life. A lot of times when, when we feel empty, we call it things like, I'm down, or I'm sad, or I'm hurting, or I feel alone, or, or we might use the word depressed. And, and, and all of those things can, can really find their source in the fact that we just feel kind of empty. Empty is not a, it's not a positive emotion. It's not a positive quality a lot of times in our life. I hope that over these next several weeks as we talk about being empty, I, I'll tell you, my goal is for us to have a different perspective on being empty. 
So I, I'm going to share that with you today, and we're going to start that here today. But I, I think as we walk through this, you're going you're to hear some things along the way that you're going to go, wow, empty is not as much of a problem as I might have thought that it was once. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Second Kings chapter 4. Let me just read for you this story. It's a great story. It says, now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Now, I I will say, that is a really simple story. Not a lot of characters, not a lot of moving parts. Honestly, you could probably read that story a couple of times through, and you could go out and you could probably summarize this story. It's really, really simple in what it says. And yet, there are some principles in here that really help us to have a perspective on our emptiness. Let me kind of give you a quick kind of walk through it. This guy that has died, the, the husband of the wife in the story, he is, uh, he is one of the sons of the prophets. What that means is that he was one of Elisha's guys. He was one of the guys that, that might have traveled with him from time to time, that might have gone out prophesying with him, that, that, that Elisha might have said, hey, you need to go tell them a message. You need to go tell them a message. Well, he, he dies, and his wife comes to Elisha and says, hey, um, your servant, my husband, is dead, and things are not good. Uh, you, you might remember that, that he was a very honorable man, but apparently he owed some money because the creditor comes and says, the only way that you're going to pay me what you owe me is if you sell your kids to me into slavery. This is not a good situation. It is a difficult situation. So basically what this wife is saying, what this woman is saying is, she's saying, I'm about to lose my husband and my kids. And I can't do that, Elisha. So I need some help. Elisha comes up with this solution. He says, "What, what do you want from me? What have you got in the house? She says, I don't have anything except this jar of oil. He says, well, I'll tell you what. Go get some, some, some vessels, some, some other jars. Go get some other cups. Go, go get some other items that you can put some oil into. You don't have any in your house, so go to all your friends. Go to your neighbors. Go to your family that, that lives in another. Crowdsource this thing. Find more to put the oil into. So she does that. Now, I, now, just an aside, I always wonder in this moment, do you think Elisha fully knew what was about to happen? 
Or do you think, I mean, so Elijah is a prophet, which means that he is one of God's chosen, but he is not like God. He's a man that is hearing from God and communicating the message of God. But he gives this story as if he like has a full idea that this is all about to work out. I wonder what would have happened if she would have gone in and been like, well, it didn't do anything. I I just poured the oil from one jar to another. Nothing worked. I wonder what would have happened. Thankfully, that's not what would have happened. Well, I'll tell you what would have happened. We wouldn't have the story. That's what would have happened. They wouldn't have told that story. Elisha gives her this solution that feels really odd, but she does it in faith. And she goes and gets all these jars thinking, I've got one jar. You're telling me I'm going to fill up a bunch of jars. I don't know what's going to happen. She starts to pour the oil. The Bible says that she pours the oil into one jar. She takes another jar. She pours the oil into that jar. She takes another jar. She pours the oil into that jar. And basically, she fills up every single jar that she has collected with this oil from the one jar. It's a miraculous moment. I can imagine her, her thought process. I don't know exactly what she saw. I don't know kind of what the, what the idea was. I'll tell you how I envision it, and I know that this is not probably what happened, but I envision it like one of those drink dispensers. You know, the big things that are kind of clear, and you've got all this oil, and then you've got the spigot where you push it down or you kind of pull it back. And I I'm, I'm kind of have this mindset of she's kind of pulling it back, and all this oil is flowing right up to the edge. And she's looking at the level of oil, and it didn't move. But yet it just all poured out. And then she gets to the second one, and it still doesn't move. And she gets to the third one, and it still doesn't move. And she's like, what in the world is happening? This is a, this is, and so she just keeps filling these jars until she has none left. And she kind of fills the last one, says, bring me another vessel. We don't have any left. And suddenly the oil stops flowing. This is a weird story. And, and, and the Bible says that Elijah comes and he says, hey, Sell all the oil that you've collected, and then you and your sons live on the rest. Basically, he provided for their life through this one jar of oil that she has in her house. Now, this is a really weird story. And and you're probably sitting there going, okay, so what? So so great. I, I appreciate the fact that this oil just kept flowing. I, I don't really understand it. I'll tell you, it's, it's an odd story. It really is. But I do think that there are some things that we can, that we can learn. Probably, there's probably a lot more. It's probably a lot deeper meaning that I'm going to share with you today, but hopefully what I share with you will give you a little bit of a perspective on being empty. Because I, I, I want to remind you, do you remember what kind of vessels, jars, Elisha told her to go get. Do you remember? He said, go get some empty jars. It wouldn't have done a lot of good if he would have said, go get some jars that are already full. Because if they were already full, they don't have any room for, any, for anything to be poured into them, right? He said, no, go, go get some empty jars. Go to your go to your friends, go to your neighbors, go to your cousins, go to everybody that you know, and get some empty vessels and bring them back. I'll tell you, it is really important that we see this. Because if she had no empty 
vessels to pour the oil into, again, this would be a really short story. And it might not not even be recorded because, so what? So she went and found a bunch of full vessels and couldn't pour any oil into them, and so she sold her kids into slavery, the end. No. They were empty vessels. I'll tell you, one of the things that this kind of says to me is that sometimes what we have keeps us from what God has for us. What if she would have said, I'm good with the one jar that I already have. Elisha, thanks. Um, That's going to be a lot of work. That's going to be really difficult. I don't know if you know my family, but they're not very generous. I don't know if you know my friends, but I don't know that they really care about me that much. I don't know that they're going to be helpful to me. What if she would have made excuses and said, I'm just going to work with what I have. Again, that story doesn't get recorded. We don't know anything about it. It's really frustrating. But instead, she was willing to get outside of what she possessed. And in the midst of getting outside of what she possessed, she had an opportunity to realize what God had for her. Sometimes we can hold on so tightly to what we have that we miss out on what God really wants to give us that might be bigger than what we already hold. Let me say it a different way. We live in a place and we live in a culture and honestly, compared to the rest of the world, guys, we hold a lot. I realize that might not be a perfect situation, and I, I realize there may be some people here that are really struggling, but, but, but compared to the rest of the world, we hold a lot. We live with a lot of plenty. And sometimes we can get so focused on what we have and so, so zeroed in on what we have that we miss out on something that God wants to do because we're so enamored with what we have. This lady was in a bad place. And because she was in a bad place, God got to take her to a good place. Sometimes we look at our lives and we define ourselves as empty. And we look at our circumstances and we say, I, I, I'm not worth anything. I don't have anything to offer. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. These are not moments where we focus on what we have. These are moments when we focus on what we don't have. Sometimes we get to that moment and we think, well, I, I don't have anything to offer, so I must not be worth much. This is where I want you to change a perspective, and I want you to hear this really clearly. Sometimes we need to recognize that empty doesn't mean that we're without. 
Empty certainly doesn't mean that we're worthless. Check this out. I think sometimes we need to recognize that being empty doesn't mean that we're without. Empty actually means that we're ready to receive what God wants to pour into us. What if we walked out of this room changing the mindset that I'm not empty, I'm just ready? Think about those empty vessels that she went and got. If they're all full, they're worthless to her. But because because they're empty, because they're empty, she has the ability to pour into them. Some, there's some people in this room that you feel like you're empty. And you feel like, I, I, you feel like you, you're just, I don't, I don't have enough. I don't, I don't have enough provision. I don't have enough stuff. I don't have this and I don't have that. And there's a relationship that I want. And there's a, a love that I want. And there's a thing that I want. And there's a way that I want. And you're, you're living your life. And you've got all these things that you see missing. And might it just be that the reason that some things are missing It's because God has a plan to fill those parts of your life in a way that you never expected him to. Might it be that we need to change our brain from empty being bad to empty being good because it's ready to receive what God has planned for it. I'll say it a different way. Um, Sometimes when we feel empty, we'll kind of lay awake at night and we just kind of dream and we kind of, kind of think and we pray and we struggle and we, we strive and we, we kind of look at our lives and we think, we think I don't know what's going on and, and this and this and this and, and, and you know, our, our mind is just kind of spinning and we've got all these problems that we're trying to figure out and we, we kind of got all these plates that we're spinning and, and, and the way that we describe that a lot of times in our lives is we kind of come to a moment where we feel like we're at the end of our rope. You've ever, have you ever described yourself that way? I just feel like I'm at the end of my rope. I saw this a few years ago, and I just thought it was really powerful. Friend, when you're at the end of your rope, let go. <laughs> let go. Because remember the way you said it. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm at, the, I'm at that spot where I'm white-knuckling. I'm gripping as hard as I can. I've tried to climb. I've tried to make it. I've tried to hold on. And I, I, am, I am slipping. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. What if we just let go of our rope? Because I'll tell you, and I can only tell you this from my own perspective, from my own experience, many, 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 many times when we let go, We don't just fall, we fall into somebody's arms. When we let go, it's like Jesus is going, finally, now we can go somewhere. Finally, now I've got a plan for you. I've been waiting for you to give up. I had had plans, I've had plans. All I needed you to do was get to the end of yourself. Sometimes when we're at the end of our rope, we just need to let go. Empty. It's actually a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be something we're scared of. It could be something we look forward to. Empty.
I want to share with you one more perspective on being empty. It's kind of closed us today, but you know, the reality is that every single one of us at a time in our life, we've all experienced empty. And I'm not just talking about empty from a a circumstance or empty from a situation. I'm talking about an eternal empty. I'm talking about the deepest empty. Because see, every one of us, by the way that we live, every one of us, by by the choices we make, when we go against God, we call that sin. Do you know what sin creates? It creates emptiness. And there's only one person who can fill the empty in our life. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross and he rose from the grave so that he could fill your emptiness. So there might be somebody here who says, yeah, I'm empty in the other way you were talking about, Pastor, but, but I, I'm kind of empty in that eternal way too. And I need Jesus to fill my heart and to fill my life. Because I'll tell you, until you get that, you're never going to be able to experience the filling that God wants to bring to your life. Empty. It's not so bad, is it? What if we all walked out of here saying, I'm not empty. I'm just ready. And I'm waiting for God to do his work in my life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this story. As odd as it, as it feels, God, you have, a, you have a purpose in sharing that story that helps us to see, God, that we, we need you. And so, God, I just pray that you would allow us to see that. God, if there's anybody here who would say, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling that empty. God, I just pray that you would fill them, even right now, that they would recognize that, that, that it, it, that's not something to be avoided. It's something to be embraced and something to invite you to fill their life. And then, God, for that person who may feel that eternal emptiness, that hole in their heart that really can only be filled by Jesus, God, I just pray that you would work in this moment, that we would feel your presence, that we would respond to you. As you continue to pray, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond today. Maybe the Lord has led you here for this very purpose. If you feel that eternal emptiness, maybe just as I was talking about it, you you might have been sitting there saying, yeah, that's me. I feel that. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never trusted him as your savior, but you want to right now, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you. I'm not going to make, not going to make a, a show of you, not going to call your name. But if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to right now, I would just love to lead you in a prayer of what it means to trust Jesus as your Savior. If you've never done that, but you want to, right here, right now, would you just slip your hand up in the air? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust him as my Savior. I feel that eternal emptiness.
I need something. Amen. Anyone else? I need something that, that I, I know can only come from Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I want to do it right now. Anyone else? This is your moment. won't keep you too much longer. Awesome. Yeah. Anybody else? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust him as my Savior. So if you raised your hand, or maybe if you didn't for whatever reason, I just want to leave you in a simple word of prayer of what it means to to ask Jesus to come into your life and to be your Savior. The words of this prayer are not some magic. It's not about the words. It's about what do you truly mean it from your heart. So if you've never prayed to receive Christ, I just want to invite you to pray this prayer. As a matter of fact, we in this moment, we just believe that, that we want to pray right with you. We want, to be, we want to stand right with you. So all across the room, people are going to be just praying this prayer out loud, and they're supporting you while they're doing it. So all across the room, would you just repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, I come to you a sinner. I believe that you lived and died on the cross for my sins. I feel empty inside because of my sin. And I invite you to come into my life to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins, and to help me live for you from this point on. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen.